The show you love with even more local news and more local talk. The voice of the valley. The Mike Douglas Show. Now weekdays from 3 till 5. On air and online. Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Here's your host, Mike Douglas. And welcome to the Mike Douglas Show here on this Tuesday afternoon in California's Central Valley. Mike Douglas with you. Always honored and very privileged to serve as your concierge for conversation as we take a look at the hot topics during a hot time of the summer. And as long as the coffee remains hot, we'll get through it. Here on the Mike Douglas Show. Again, thanks for joining us today. So much appreciate your participation. And as I've often mentioned, one of the values of being live and local here is our exchange here on the phone. Uh, our, our ability over the air to discuss issues, you often bring up things that uh, I might not have thought of, and I hope maybe I bring up some things that challenge your thinking as well, or at least add to it. Uh, last, uh, what was it, last Friday, I think one of our uh, astute callers, and, and all of you are astute, one of our astute callers called up and was asking about would these, looking at President Biden's student loan forgiveness, which really is a misnomer, but anyway, that's what he calls it. I was asking, the caller was asking, uh, are there going to be taxes? on those student loans that are being forgiven. Well, we've done a little bit of research on that. Let me tell you what we found. Depending on where you are, I do not know yet how California is going to respond to this. We know, uh, at least we anticipate at least 13 states are going to have taxes on forgiven debt. For example, New Yorkers, could face up to $685 in taxes on a $10,000 tax uh, uh, or loan forgiveness. Uh, So New York, Virginia, 11 other states, people that are getting their loans forgiven could wind up with a surprise tax bill on those forgiven loans. Now, if you remember, President Biden announced that the government would forgive some student debt for those individuals earning less than $125,000 a year. But there are 13 states that presently have laws that would treat that forgiven debt as income. And so, yes, at least for those states, they will have to pay some type of taxes. Uh, For example, and this is probably on the higher end, if you're looking at $10,000 in loan forgiveness in Hawaii, you could be taxed up to, uh, well, a little more than $1,000. All right, so uh, let's take a look at these uh, 13 states. And now, again, these, these states could, if they hurry quickly, adjust their tax laws, but as it stands right now, uh, here here are the states, here's what you'd have to pay, likely, if you had $10,000 in uh, forgiven state loans, uh, forgiven federal loans. Arkansas, the tax would be $550. Hawaii, $1,100. Idaho, $600. Kentucky, $500. Massachusetts, $500. Minnesota, $985. Mississippi, $500. 
New York, $685. Pennsylvania, $307. South Carolina, $700. Virginia, $575. West Virginia, $650. And Wisconsin, $530. So that's an estimation of what you might pay if you're in those states. So I guess what it comes down to is if in your if you're in one of those states, if you're looking at your, let's say you have, I don't know who just has with a with a meaningful degree and having attended at least two years, if not a four year university, only ten thousand dollars in a federal loan for a federal student loan. But let's use that as a round number. So if you pay, uh, if if your loan of $10,000 is being forgiven, let's look at the high end. Let's say you do have to pay $1,100 in Hawaii. What do you think? Worth it? So you're paying $1,100 in taxes basically to be alleviated from uh, a $10,000 loan. I suppose that's not a bad deal. But, uh, again, it may be a surprise to some people. Again, California is not presently on that list. We'll see what happens. But, yes, in response to that caller that had called on Friday, at least in 13 states, yep, there will be some taxes on those student loans. And, again, or the forgiveness of those student loans, I am, uh, I'm opposed to this. On many fronts, I think it teaches young people a a bad lesson, and that is when you sign your name on a promissory note, the federal government is at least teaching them, yeah, it may not mean anything. You may not have to pay it back. And so what does that mean when you go to get a home loan? Well, I'm going to put my my name on that, but I'm going to do that hoping that maybe the federal government uh, or whoever's providing me the loan probably won't be the federal government perhaps but whoever's providing me that loan yeah maybe they won't make me pay it back that's not a good thing to teach young people it's not a good practice in terms of managing money it doesn't speak to honesty and integrity we put our names on a line we we attach our signature to it and maybe date it that says i promise to do this but you see we we live in a day today of of squishy morals of squishy ethics it's like trying to grab jello these days honesty integrity ethics morality are all under attack don't you think i mean it's, it appears everywhere and that's one of the reasons we, we are having problems trusting our even federal law enforcement right now. Ethics, morality, honesty, integrity, those things that many of us, you and I, many of us grew up with, we're, we're taught that we're the, these are tenets of what a, make a good citizen. And for those of us who grow up and grew up in faith-based environments, this is part of what we do as uh, people of God, as followers of Christ. Well, 
our culture today is saying, well, no, the, the ends justify the means. So as long as our side wins, as long as our group benefits, as long as our side, as long as our perspective prevails, how we get there doesn't matter. The ends justify the means. And we teach young people that, we model that for them, and we lose not only our culture, but we lose our nation. And so it goes. But moving on, let's take a look. Those pesky legislature people up in Sacramento, they're ending uh, the, nearing the end of a session here. And there are bills being sent to the governor's desk right and left. And in a couple of minutes, I'm going to go over a couple of those uh, for you. One of those that I'm particularly concerned about is a a bill that would uh, punish doctors for spreading COVID-19 misinformation. I think this is very, very dangerous. Very dangerous. It's AB 2098. We'll talk about it in three minutes. I'll tell you what else is dangerous. That's mortgage rate increases. They're they're impacting home sales right now. Wall Street Journal, in fact, reports that home sales are down an average of 20% from this time last year. However, the good news is there's an agent I trust with selling my home, and despite what's happening during a market slowdown, that's the man I'd go to. His name is Dan Phipps. If you have a growing family or you're working from home, that means you may need some more space. Well, if you do, call the agent I trust and recommend. Call Dan Phipps. Dan's proprietary marketing system guarantees multiple offers in 72 hours for full market value, or Dan will sell it for free. Look, this home selling program is designed to maximize your sales price. You're in complete control, and there's no required costly repairs. No long-term contracts. No, none of those really costly upgrades uh, are necessary, and you pick your move date. Dan can even find you a new home before you move. Dalton in Oakdale says, uh, had a great house. And he said, I'd planned on fixing it up throughout the years, but life got in the way. Boy, do I understand that. But I, he says uh, he was in a panic because he needed to move out of state and the house needed work to sell at a decent price. Well, here comes Dan Phipps. Dan was able to sell the house quickly for a great price without any repairs or upgrades. How about that? So call Dan Phipps. Dan's the man I recommend, and I would hire him to sell my own home. He's the only agent who guarantees multiple offers in 72 hours or it's sold free. So call Dan Phipps, 209-593-1111, or go to danphipps.com. That's Dan Phipps with three Ps, D-A-N-P-H-I-P-P-S.com. Back with the Mike Douglas Show in three minutes here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Here's more with the voice of the valley, Mike Douglas on Power Talk 1360 KFIV and streamed on the iHeartRadio app. And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. And we're talking about 
up in uh, Sacramento, bills that are uh, flying around and attempting to be passed and sent to the governor's desk. But we also were talking about the uh, loan forgiveness for student loans uh, from President Biden and whether or not people would be taxed on that. And we found that at least uh, 13 states have tax laws in place that indeed would tax the value of uh, those loans that are being forgiven. And uh, I think the caller who uh, brought that up to us on Friday is on the line. Let's go to Pete in Stockton. Hi, Pete. What do you think? Hi, Mr. Douglas. Yeah, well, my dad taught me a couple things when I was younger. There, I don't think it helps that, but the first thing was you don't lie and you don't steal. Okay, and the next thing, dealing with this debt forgiveness, he said you shake somebody's hand or you give them your word, that's a contract. You don't need no attorney. You don't know anything. You keep your word, whatever it is, and that's the bottom line. So people have to be responsible. And if you give your word, that's it. You shake a hand, that's it. A promise is given. Pete, and I thank you for your time. Sir. Yeah, I, I I appreciate what you just said. What, what happened to the day where uh, you and I could shake hands and that handshake meant something. Now we have to have reams and reams of legalese and uh, we have to have lawyers involved. I, I, I long for the day when uh, a handshake was a man or a woman's word. Pete, I think we've lost. I don't know if we can ever recover that. Do you? I hope so. If we can't, we're, we're in a terrible place. Yeah, I uh, I agree with that, and I think Pete, the way that the way that we bring that back is that we start shaking hands with people and making good on our promises, on uh, walking out integrity and and honesty, and being men and women of our word. I think uh, I think we have to lead by example, don't you? I definitely do, and it starts at the home with your kids, and go from there. Amen to that. And, and Pete, uh, that's another great point. And that is, as, uh, as our children are growing up, they watch us, don't they? They're watching. How, how do mom and dad respond in, in these types of situations? And it's not, you know, oftentimes uh, uh, more is picked up uh, when, it's, uh, when it's seen than rather uh, when it's taught. And uh, I I think we just need to walk these things out. I'm thinking, Pete, of of a lot of things that we see in, in younger generations today and a lot of the violence that we see, a lot of the uh, anti-police rhetoric. And I'm thinking of a lot of this has to come from home environments that aren't teaching the opposite. And so I, I agree with you, Pete. I think it needs to start at the home. By the way, thanks for that call uh, last Friday. That was a, a good observation, and uh, we'll keep an eye on on California. Don't know what California's status is on the loan forgiveness uh, taxes and all that, but we'll keep an eye on it. And in the meantime, Pete, let's uh, let's make good on our handshakes with each other, right? Okay. What's one other statement? Let's see if it goes into penalties for for defaulting on loans too. Because there's a thing about defaulting. You may default it, but you still may have to pay a penalty or taxes on the default loan to sell. I'm not a tax man. I'm very, very poor on math, very poor on reading and writing, but I do a little thinking. 
Uh, well, you're doing great thinking, Pete. Thanks so much for the call, Pete, from Stockton. Uh, Pete doing uh, some good thinking there. Our number here, 209-551-3483. We're talking about uh, at least 13 states will be taxing uh, that loan forgiveness for those who are, are able to um, uh, come under that particular benefit. And uh, I just appreciate Pete bringing up that issue of uh, being men and women of our word, where, where a handshake uh, was, was your word. I have done so many memorial services and uh, funerals and such for people who grew up on the cusp of the Depression, uh, people who came to California out of the Dust Bowl. And th- these were hardy people who had positive visions for what was going to happen in the future and sought to sacrifice for subsequent generations, did what they had to do to sacrifice on their own to make better lives for their children and their children's children. These were hardy people that weren't afraid to work hard. And we're losing, uh, Pete made me think of that too, I, I believe we're losing the work ethic. I was talking to somebody the other day, and uh, they, they were talking about uh, some new employees, and uh, one of them said, when, when is my vacation coming up? The person had just started at the company. Don't talk about vacation when you first hire on. You do your best. You give it 150%. Where, where did we lose that? Why isn't that being modeled for the most part in homes across America? And I believe that's where it begins. Again, a lot of this, I don't think, legislation can affect this. I used to think you can't legislate morality, but you can create legislation that creates a, uh, a dive in terms of morality and, and ethics. And I think we can create an, an environment through legislation that, that makes um, inequities and honesty and integrity very uh, easy to do. So uh, the, the work ethic, honesty, integrity, you know, a handshake saying, this is my word, we're losing that. And to me, that's, uh, that's a sad thing. But I like Pete's perspective. I I think we can help bring that back if we individually model it. And that's uh, putting my pastor's hat on. I often bring up to uh, the congregations that I'm privileged to, uh, to teach. We need to practice what we preach. We need to model it. Uh, Recall, Jesus had some. He had uh, some very severe indictments of some of the religious leaders of the day, calling them hypocrites. And I think that applies to a, a lot of our society today. We need to walk, and we're not going to walk it out perfectly. We're not perfect people, but we do need to do our best to walk out what we believe, uh, to to walk out the precepts, the tenets of. Uh, what we believe of of our, our, our worldviews. And I think in a lot of homes across America, there's not a lot of good modeling going on. You remember that, that video that, that we saw not too long ago? Uh, the little kids, I mean, they were, what, five, maybe six? And uh, it was a, 
I guess, a cell phone video of these little kids in front of police officers, and they were hitting the police officers. They were calling the police officers' names. Kids that young don't come up with that on their own, do they? Where do they learn that? They, they learn it at home from parents or brothers or sisters or aunts and uncles. The home environment teaches them to be that way, to uh, react violently, to react selfishly, to not value authority. Now, when authority deserves not to be valued, that's a whole different story. But these cops were there to, uh, to do their job. They were doing good work. And they were very patient with these kids. And the kids were hitting them, for goodness sakes. Where'd they learn that? I don't think it just came from videos. I don't think it just came from streaming. I think a lot of that comes from the home environment, and that's a sad commentary on a lot of the homes. So uh, where do we start? In our own homes. You say, well, Mike, we're not going to make a difference. Yes, we are. We are going to make a difference. And I, I believe we need to keep on keeping on, and we need to model these things that we're, uh, that we're talking about. One of the things we're talking about, and, and we'll, we'll dive into this with some detail in about five minutes, and that is this AB 2098 that uh, will say doctors can be punished for quote-unquote spreading COVID misinformation. You talk about an Orwellian piece of legislation. You talk about socialism. You talk about Marxism. Here it comes. We'll talk about it in five minutes here on the Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. The Mike Douglas Show. Now weekdays from 3 till 5 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram. 1360KFIV is your place online. Let's get social with Power Talk 1360KFIV. And let's get the conversation going again here on the Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk 1360KFIV. Mike Douglas here. Honored privilege to be your concierge for conversation. And our conversation uh, of late has been talking about uh, the the issues of honesty and integrity and, and a handshake uh, being good in terms of this is my word, a handshake seals it. Uh, it would be wonderful to return to that kind of ethic in our world today and uh, made the point, I believe we can do that if we model it in our homes. Uh, one of our listeners uh, sent in this uh, thought, a uh, a good name, there's a biblical truth here, a good name is more valuable than silver or gold. And then he added a thought, look at a debt as what I owe you, not what you owe me. Oh, did you catch that? Look at a debt as what I owe you, not what you owe me. If everyone did that, we would live in a different world. Uh, it's an interesting thought. And then uh, the listener also cited uh, Mark Trammell. Uh, it's a song that, I don't know when it came out. It's called Your Walk Talks. Uh, there's a, a couple of lines from that. Uh, you know your walk talks and your talk talks, but your walk 
talks louder than your talk talks. <laughs> Isn't that great? Uh, let's see. Uh, what what did you do today to give your love away to a lost and hurting soul? Did you lend a hand to a fellow man and help him down the road? When you illuminate, it takes the dark away, so let your little light shine. When we follow through with what we say and do, the Father will be glorified. Yeah, good good reference. Thank you uh, for that uh, good information there. Our phone number here, 209-551-3483 on the Mike Douglas Show as we, as we talk about issue, issues of integrity, honesty, and here's, here's one that I think lacks integrity and honesty. Uh, California Assembly Bill 2098-2098 was actually first introduced by a Democratic State Assembly member, Evan Lowe, back in February. The bill defines disinformation as misinformation that the licensee deliberately disseminated with malicious intent or an intent to mislead. Who is the licensee? Talking about doctors licensed in the state of California. Now, what, do the, what is California, what does this bill define as misinformation? Well, it defines misinformation, quote, as false information that is contradicted by contemporary science contrary to the standard of care. Now, what's the fallacy? What's the fallacy there by a raise of hands? Uh-huh, yeah, exactly. Has science ever contradicted itself? Have there ever been competing notions of science? Yes, this bill is trash. And I hope the governor doesn't sign it. Honesty, integrity, freedom of speech, First Amendment. It it seems like Sacramento is just intent on carrying us into the future of the United Socialist Republic of California. Seriously. Let's see what you think. 209-551-3483 is our number. Let's find out what John from Brentwood has to say today. Hi, John. Welcome to the show. Hey, Mike. On that bill real quick, first off, um, I think the government, especially the state government, they're they know the whole COVID thing, the, the, the mantra is fading away. People aren't worried about it. People don't care about it anymore. I heard a thing as far as getting young children vaccinated. I think less than 5% of the population has actually done that, even though the media and, and the government have been saying, oh, how great it's going to be and everything. So um, I think they just want to keep it going. They want to keep it in, in the forefront and everybody, and they don't want it to go away. And as far as the handshake thing, I think, COVID helped destroy that tenfold. You had the government mm. paying people to stay home for weeks on end because of COVID. You had pe- the government giving companies money that the government shut down, but they're giving the companies money to keep their employees paid while they're shut down. You had the government paying people's rent and then, and then telling them they didn't have to pay rent, and the landlords couldn't evict them. They were sending us checks in the mail. And just too many people love the gravy train, and they just want all that to continue. It's just the government wants as many people dependent on it as possible so they can continue to suck up the votes. 
Great point, John. Uh, I think there has been a slow chipping away at, at this principle, but I, I, I agree with you. I think COVID-19, uh, the public policy towards COVID-19 exacerbated the situation. And uh, unfortunately, I think COVID-19 presented a socialist's dream. Really? Didn't it? I, I mean, if you think about it, this is the perfect way to, uh, with the excuse of you're going to die if you don't do what we say, uh, to bring us under government control. And, and the sad thing is we did it and we're suffering the consequences, don't you think? Exactly. And I believe if it wasn't for COVID, I don't believe Joe Biden would have won the election. I think that this whole thing was decided by COVID, mail-in ballots, the whole thing. It was, it was the whole thing was COVID-based, which is why they tried to push monkeypox, which is why they're trying to push every little variant that comes out. And thank goodness most of the people in the country have got away from that. Most of us aren't wearing masks anymore. We're going about our lives. We're pretty much just, just not even listening to what the CDC has to say anymore because they're just a bunch of idiots. And I think everybody just going, the majority are just going about their life and just getting on with it. And the government's afraid they're losing their grip. Yeah, absolutely. I uh, couldn't have said that better. Uh, John, thanks. John from Brentwood uh, bringing up some great points there. Uh, again, uh, and, and people often say, and I, I have to watch myself in, in saying this as well, uh, we, we blame COVID-19 for things. It was The blame isn't on COVID-19. The blame is upon public policy dealing with COVID-19. That's what has destroyed a lot of the fabric of this nation right now is the public policy that was used uh, in response to COVID-19. That's the issue. And uh, I I have to watch myself to make sure that I I make that distinction. Our number here, 209-551-3483. Talked a little bit earlier about taxes on loan forgiveness, at least uh, for 13 states that we know of. Let's uh, find out what Eileen from Turlock has to say about that. Hi, Eileen. Welcome to the show. Thank you. I was just thinking that the money that they're going to give us, the $10,000, that's not coming to us in a check. That's going to whoever we loan the money from, right? So we're giving, you know, it'll go to whoever our lender was, whoever we owe that money to. Now, when the taxes come around, where are you going to get the money? It's not like you're getting a $10,000 check and you can take 1000 out and hold it for taxes. That's right. And in, in this case, Eileen, in the context of what we're talking about, uh, the lender is the federal government. And that's a whole nother issue. I don't think the federal government ought to be in the business of loaning money to students because what it's created is this massive, what would we call it, uh, federal government university and college complex where universities and colleges now can just keep jacking up the prices because the federal government is uh, facilitating all of it. I don't know about you, Eileen. I think the government needs to get out of the business of uh, student loans entirely. I think that was a major mistake from the get-go. I agree. I agree. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, I think it's going to be a surprise Eileen, to a lot of people that are thinking, and by the way, $10,000 is a drop in the bucket. 
really is a drop in the bucket. <laughs> and, you know, and you look at, like, I mean, we know because we put our children uh, through a private university uh, several years ago, and it cost way more than ten thousand dollars. And and so it's. But anyway, let's say it is ten thousand. Going to be a surprise to those people who get that. Uh, notice from their respective states. Now, the federal on the federal side, my understanding is there's uh, either laws in place or tax rules in place where the federal government will not tax people on that uh, loan forgiveness, but states will. And I think that'll be a uh, unpleasant surprise to uh, to a lot of people. What do you think, Eileen? Yeah, I do too, and I I just think that a lot of them. Are- are thinking that they're going to get the money in the mail, and they're not. It's uh, just right. going to be taken off their bill, that's all. Well, and, and you and I are going to have to pay their bill. That's that's the yep. other dynamic here that uh, is, is highly frustrating. Eileen, uh, thanks for the call. Appreciate that very much. Yeah, this uh, I, I, I suspect that part of President Biden doing this is looking ahead at the— uh, Midterms coming up on November 8, and then uh, the presidential election in November 2024. Uh, I suspect that's playing into the motivation to do this. That may backfire as people begin to think about it, and as a lot of people who don't qualify for the loan forgiveness are going to realize not only are they paying back their own student loans, but they're paying the loans of other people. It's confiscatory taxation. It's uh, robbing uh, thee to pay me or vice versa. It is uh, just a disgusting thing. The question is, will enough people wake up and smell the roses? That That's why we're here. That's why we show up here on the Mike Douglas Show 3 to 5 p.m. Monday through Friday is we need to get the word out. And again, my encouragement is without hitting people over the head with it, but in, enter into conversations and just say, uh, I I just found out that 13 states are going to be taxing uh, those uh, loan forgiveness situations. And I'm, I'm, I'm not really supportive of the fact that not only do I have to pay my student loans or I have to pay my children's student loans, but I've got to pay other people's student loans on top of that. If we keep it in the conversation in terms of this is the effect upon me, that allows other people to think to themselves privately inside their minds, whoa, hadn't thought about that. See, we can plant seeds. That's so important as we come up to November 8, 2022, and then, of course, uh, November 2024 as well. All right, Mike Douglas Show continues in three minutes here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. A pastor with passion, a minister with manners. Now, back to the Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Uh, got some, maybe we have some great discussion going on today. Now, let me, uh, let me again go over the details of uh, AB 2098, 2098. This is uh, the bill that will punish doctors for spreading COVID-19 misinformation. So it, it's, uh, if it's signed by Governor Gavin Newsom, we would be the first state in the nation 
to have this type of legislation in place, of course. And so it designates uh, spreading incorrect or misleading medical information as unprofessional conduct subject to punishment from the Medical Board of California. That could mean suspension or revocation of licenses. This is absolutely ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. This is beyond ridiculous. This is fascism. Uh, fascism. It, isn't it fascist to do this? Is it not the government dictating what's right or wrong? The government controlling? The government taking away from us the freedom of speech? This is fascism. It is. It is. We are now seeing it laid out in all its glory. The, do, do people not see this? I mean, we, we look at the definition of, of what's fascist or not, and, and it's government out of control. It's government taking away the rights of the people. And here we go. Here's what this led. Let me give you the Mike Douglas translation of AB 2098. Don't you dare, doctors across California, don't you ever dare to contradict what government, what government, but Governor Newsom has to say and what the state of California says is so. Don't you ever contradict it. And if you do, we're going to yank your license. Do, do you believe this? Does this bother you at all? If you're in the medical profession, are you worried about this? Or if you're even retired from the medical profession? It's fascism. It, it, it's plain, boldly, unadulterated, right out in front of us, boldly, the state of California is saying, doctors, we're going to take away your First Amendment rights. And what they're saying here is a lie. Quote, the spreading of misinformation of inaccurate COVID-19 information contradicts that responsibility and threatens to further erode the public trust in the medical profession and puts all patients at risk. That's what proponents are saying. Senator Richard Pan, Democratic Senator Richard Pan, is a co-sponsor of the bill. He says for a patient to give informed consent, they have to be well informed. Well, the, uh, a group called the Physicians for Informed Consent filed a lawsuit earlier this month. They're seeking an injunction against the Medical Board of California citing First Amendment rights. group said in a statement that it wants to, quote, protect the free speech of all physicians in the state and calls the bill's definition of the word misinformation hopelessly vague. Well, that's the very least it is. And what it's saying is that whatever we say the science is, is correct. How many times throughout history has science been wrong? 
How many times have we seen different medical opinions, different scientific opinions about COVID-19? Well, if you get vaccinated, can't be spread. Well, found out that wasn't right. Good grief. And, and uh, what, what is astounding to me is how many Californians in November of 2022, by the way, that's only 70 days, 1680 hours, 100,800 minutes and 6,046,000 seconds away, how many Californians will blithely and like good lemmings so that that sounds good because I'm I believe I've, I've got a D after my name in terms of a political affiliation and I, and I trust our fellow Democrats in in Sacramento. I don't care whether they're Democrats or Republicans. This is unconstitutional. This flies in the face a of logic and B of the Constitution of the United States. The problem is, there's a supermajority up in Sacramento, and if the supermajority says this is what is, it's what is. And if Governor Newsom signs off on it, I don't know why any physician in California would stay here. I don't know why they wouldn't move away to a state where freedom of expression is valued, where First Amendment rights are valued. What we're seeing here is another attempt to make California a socialist, Marxist-based state. Oh, Mike, you're just being reactionary. Look at the evidence, my friend. Look at the evidence. Look at the facts. See, the the thing about, and I'm going to put on my pastor's hat for a minute, I think there's a spiritual facet to this. I think bills like this are evil. I really do. Only something evil tries to take away the right of free expression and squash freedoms. I think there's evil intent behind this, whether people understand it or not. All right, we'll continue the discussion in five minutes after news, weather, and traffic. 209-551-3483. Mike Douglas Show continues in five minutes on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. The show you love, talking about the issues that are important to you. The Voice of the Valley, The Mike Douglas Show. Now, every weekday from 3 till 5. On air and online. Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Here again is your host, Mike Douglas. And welcome back to our number two of The Mike Douglas Show here on this Tuesday afternoon on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Mike Douglas here, your concierge for conversation Uh, Frankly distressed over this Bill 2098 introduced originally by State Assembly member uh, Evan Lowe. 
a Democratic uh, member of the uh, California legislature. And basically, it, it says that if doctors in California uh, publicly make statements uh, about COVID-19 that are not in line with the narrative coming out of Sacramento, uh, they can be disciplined, punished, uh, their licenses yanked. Uh, this, this, to me, is a government out of control, way out of control. And there's not even any logical basis to this. So, well, it's based upon science. Well, which science? There are competing sciences. There are competing viewpoints. That's the beauty of the First Amendment of the United States of America is that we have the marketplace of ideas. That includes science. And science does not always agree with itself because there's not one science. There often are competing views, and that's that's why we do experiments. That's why we have hypotheses, and then we test them. That that's why we have the scientific process. Is part of it is attempting to disprove what we think is true. This is all upside down. The California legislature and the governor are out of control. And again, 70 days, my friends, to November 8, 2022, and I believe it will be a milestone. Here in California, it'll be a, a, a minor shift in the grand scheme of things. I think nationally, it will be more than a minor shift, but it must be. Otherwise, we will, I think, we will become a socialist state if not a socialist nation, and, and AB 2098 is a uh, dramatic example of that. What do you think? Any of you in the medical profession, uh, not have to be physicians, maybe you are or have been, but what about nurses or medical techs or CNAs, Any, anyone in the medical profession, do you think this is a good bill? Or do you think this is something that could torpedo the, the whole profession? I mean, it's, it's basically saying, in a, in a very Orwellian way, you must not contradict the government ever. I think it's dangerous. Sets a horrible, horrible precedent. Big time danger. I'm hoping the governor doesn't sign it. If he does, that will let us know for sure. That yeah, as if there's any doubt at this point, but that will let us know for sure. And again, I, I think we need to be okay about talking about these issues with our spheres of influence, but we need to do it in terms of wow, this is what disturbs me about this. You see, when we when we speak in terms of this is what disturbs me about this issue. It, it's about you and me. It, it doesn't say to the other person, you're a bonehead for thinking otherwise. It doesn't put them down. It doesn't enter a 
enter into a cancel culture type relationship. It's saying to the other person, look, I, I value who you are and, and I affirm whatever you believe is what you believe. Uh, but here's, here's what I think. Now, what do you think? Be curious about what they think and then ask questions. Now, that's, that's how productive conversation changes things, in my opinion. Our number here for your opinions, 209-551-3483, 209-551-3483. Again, keep your eye on it as we shall, AB 2098, headed for the governor's desk. Well, here's uh, another one, maybe not as, uh, well, in the big scheme of things, it's probably not as sobering, but it's a... It, a bill that would require mandatory kindergarten. Do you think you ought to, there ought to be mandatory kindergarten in California? Senate Bill 70, and this was created by Democratic Senator Susan Rubio from Baldwin Park down in Southern California. And the excuse for this is, well, youngest kids skip kindergarten because of COVID-19 pandemic, no, they they missed kindergarten because of your policies regarding uh, COVID-19. And so it's going to require children in California to attend kindergarten uh, before they move on to first grade. As you may know, current state law does not require that you have to attend uh, school until you're six years old. So here we go. And by the way, the L.A. Unified School District, Los Angeles Unified School District, is backing this bill. And if Governor Newsom signs it, it'll go into effect for the 2024-2025 school year. Well, Mike, what's the big deal on that? Well, I, I think, number one, it gives the state more um, opportunity to inculcate our children at an early age with things we don't want them inculcated with. Number two, I believe, here's the rule of thumb, follow the dollar. What do you think that's really about? I think what it's really about is ADA, average daily attendance. The more kids you can get into the school, the more money coming in. I think we need to follow the dollar on this. So here we go. We've got this mandatory kindergarten for everyone. We've got this horrible bill about doctors not being able to speak their minds, AB 2098. Let's get your view on these things. 209-551-3483. Let's go up to Stockton and Barbara. Barbara, what are your thoughts about this today? Mike, I think that he absolutely will not sign that bill uh, telling the doctors, uh, you know, what they do. The reason why, remember, the most important thing for him now is he wants to run for president. And there's no way that he's going to sign a bill like that and the public finds out about it would they vote for him for president because that that right there would be a giveaway to the fact that, uh, that about of socialism. Yeah, that's an interesting thought, uh, Barbara, and I can see it going both ways. And I'm I'm wondering. This is just me thinking here with you. 
uh, because you bring up an interesting thought about this. I'm wondering if in Governor Newsom's mind, if he's weighing it out. How many people in California will think this is a good thing? How many people in California would think this is a bad thing? And I think he well, weighs. Think- I think he weighs these decisions out based upon, and I agree, you're correct, based upon his run for president in 2024. Um, I'm wondering if he's sticking his finger up in the air, licking it, sticking his finger up in the air, uh, and trying to ascertain which way the wind blows. So your thesis here is that most people would consider this to be a bad thing, and therefore he would not sign it. Well, that's correct, because after all, people in California, they may get they may go along, but remember the rest of the country, particularly in the eastern states, in the southern states, I do, I do not believe that they would go for this. Um, I I think you're right in terms of some states. I think in terms of states like New York and some others that would come to mind that they would fall in line. I hope you're right. I really hope you're right, Barbara. I, I hope... I and hope I, you've nailed this. I, I, I hope you're right. Yes, and I think, look at the doctors, look look at the power behind the medical association. I think that they would just be absolutely livid. You know, that would really be, you know, uh, uh, telling them what to do. See, people who go into medicine, and, I'm, and I don't know about lawyers, but uh, having, being a retired nurse and, and, and working with doctors, oh, they are very particular about their diagnosis and what they want to do, and they don't want people telling them what to do, you know, even other doctors a lot of times in the treatments that they do. So I think that they would really, the medical association would really come against him uh, on something like this. I I hope so. I hope you're right, Barbara. Uh, Thanks for the call very much. Barbara from Stockton uh, making the case and she doesn't think that Governor Newsom will sign the bill because he won't think it's politically advantageous. Uh, interesting thought. Let's find out what you think. Area code 209-551-3483, our number. Uh, let's, uh, let's get an opinion from Jack from Ripon. Hi, Jack. Welcome to the show. Hi. Well, just like there's an app for that, there's a board for that. And it's called the Board of Medical Quality Assurance, also known as BUMQA, and they exist to uh, control what doctors do if they're behaving in an unprofessional fashion. It already exists. There's no need for a a new law. Um, And if they're, you know, promoting some kind of real wild-eyed type of treatment, um, they can be brought up before BUMQA. And the important thing about it is it will be physicians that are judging whether the physician is in fact going off the rails. That's an interesting thought, Jack. What's the name of the uh, board again? Bumqua Board of Medical Quality Assurance. Okay. And so... I'm an optometrist. Okay. And one of the things that happened for years, there's a condition called central serous retinopathy. And it's basically caused by inflammation. You get swelling in the retina. And they thought for years that treating it with steroids was a good idea because people got better quicker. And then some bright person, like after 50 years of treating it with steroids, 
someone started checking people six months out after they had had it. And what they found is the people that had been given steroids did worse than the people that were given no treatment at all. And so now then nobody treats it with steroids anymore. They were doing, treating it completely wrong and didn't know it. Well, and, and that's, a, that's an example of how the quote-unquote science changes. Uh, we, we find new things. We yeah. discover new things, right? So, Jack, let, let me ask you, since you, you're pretty familiar with this, do you believe the, and, and you said that the board is made up of uh, fellow physicians and such, do you think the board is sufficiently apolitical uh, to, to render good decisions in this area? Um, I think they probably are, um, because most physicians that I know of depend on the science. They really do depend Mm -hmm. on the science. Now, Mm -hmm. you know, if you've got somebody like Dr. Fauci, that's really a political figure, not a, not a physician, um, even though he has an MD, um, you know, they're, they're going to, uh, play politics. But, uh, when you get, uh, to the, the, guys that are in the streets that are, that are dealing with disease on a day-to-day basis, um, I think that they would probably make a rational decision based on the science as opposed to um, a political decision based upon gut feeling. Jack, thank you so much for that perspective. Appreciate that. Uh, again, Jack, making the point here that really this is unnecessary because we already have a board uh, that deals with these kinds of issues. Uh, Jack, no pun intended, but we'll keep our eye on it uh, in the future. And uh, thanks for your call, bringing that uh, that new information up for us. Really, really appreciate that. And uh, we'll be back in three minutes. David from Oakdale, hang in there. We'll be right to you in three minutes here on the Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. He's got issues. Let's talk about it. The Mike Douglas Show on air and online. Power Talk 1360 KFIV. And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Been talking about some bills being passed in Sacramento and probably headed towards the governor's desk. Getting your read on them at 209-551-3483. We've talked about the bill that would require mandatory kindergarten by the way it's not mandatory at this point depends when you're born depends when you're born uh, if you're six years old uh, then you you do have to attend but whether you attend kindergarten or first grade depends on when you were born uh, what time of uh, what uh, time of the year a uh, little interesting uh, factoid there uh, so we've been talking about the, the bill that would make kindergarten mandatory and also this bill that would tell doctors, if you don't express the viewpoints we want you to on medical issues, we're going to yank your license. Hmm. Our number 209-551-3483. Let's go out to Oakdale. And David, David's been waiting patiently. Thank you, David, for waiting. Uh, what are your thoughts today? Well, you said patiently. You no, know, that's a presumption on your end. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Touche. <laughs> yeah, uh, in, in, yeah, in in reference to these two laws, I just absolutely love the discussion. The reason being is that we, the people, have been trained slash indoctrinated to speak of corporate 
policies, regulations, et cetera, because all of our government right now are non or for profit corporations. So they are not lawful government. So in lawful government, we have with the First Amendment, we have a uh, redress of grievances. So what we'll do is say with the first law, as you were saying, it's definitely a violation of freedom of speech. So I mean, that's plain. Anybody can understand that. So they're violating a number of Supreme Court cases, but and I'm not in my office, unfortunately. But I believe it's Marbury versus the United States, 5 U.S. 163, 1803, says that if a law is repugnant to the Constitution of the United States, it is null and void the moment it is signed. Okay, so you don't have to worry about it. Then there's another case law that says that, um, you know, if this law you can you can practice and you can use your free speech in uh, impunity if you know the law is uh, unconstitutional, which it is. But anyway, there's a series of, of, of uh, Supreme Court cases. And what you do is you don't worry about you know, your license and all this, because if they take your license away, that's another violation. You have the right to pursuit of, of happiness, and which means you can make a living. And there's another constitutional or U, yeah, U.S. Supreme Court case that says that the the state cannot take a, a right, which would be the right to work, and convert it into a license and a fee. They cannot make it um, unlawful. So, again, I mean, there's a whole series of violations here, and we're talking, you know, maybe several million dollars in a Title 42 1940, or 1983 lawsuit. Um so in reference to the making it mandatory for a child to go to school, that is in one of the amendments. And again, I'm not in my office. I don't have it. But that's akin to slavery, which is not lawful, obviously. So, yeah, let him sign that, baby. And then whoever signs it, you know, we'll go after him under Title, title 18, 240. Well, there'll be a series of them, so it'll be 241. It'd be a RICO Act where there's multiple pieces. And with that, then... Yeah, again, you're talking about millions of dollars of violations because each count is pretty often worth two hundred thousand dollars. Some of them are worth a million, depending on what what the violation is. Um, let's see, there was one other thing. <laughs> well, while you're thinking, yeah, David, yeah. you you <laughs> used the word uh, repugnant a couple of moments ago. I think there's a lot of repugnancy. Uh, going on, and and I think the issue is <laughs> the issue is what's our recourse, and uh, and and you, I I know from your calls and uh, before that you are well read about this in terms of uh, our our lines of action, uh, possible actions in terms of the recourse, uh, what to do about many of these uh, decisions. Okay. Very very right, right. well just, articulated, recall, David. Go ahead. I just, I, I just recall the last point. Yes. Uh, U.S. Constitution, Article 3, Section 3, Clause 1, is treason. So basically, when the Governor Newsom signs that, he is creating war on we the people. That comes under this, that clause, which is treason. And it would be pretty simple to get three people, because that's all it takes is one person that's harmed and two witnesses, and then you file an act of treason against him, and then you get him fired, and you use the emolument clause, and he can take, never take any public funds again, which means he can never work for the public again, which would kill him. 
And then the other thing is then he doesn't get any retirement because that's the public funds. And then under treason, it's still on the books. You can hang him. I don't know that I would do that, but it would sure be fun to walk him up to the gallows and see the face expression on his face. <laughs> well, with that, okay. as repugnant as it may be, I've got to run, David. Thanks for your call. We'll be back in five minutes here on anyway. the Mike Douglas Show. Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Be right back. The Mike Douglas Show. Now weekdays from 3 till 5 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. With the big news of the day, here's more of the Mike Douglas Show. Now weekdays from 3 till 5 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Mike Douglas here, your concierge for conversation as we've been talking about a lot of bills uh, that are... simmering up in Sacramento, uh, being sent to the governor's desk, getting your opinions and uh, some interesting conversation today about those bills. Our number here, 209-551-3483, 209-551-3483. Before we look at another one, let's go back to the phones and talk to uh, John from Salida. Hi, John. Welcome. What are your thoughts today? Hi, Mike. Uh, thank you for uh, what you do for uh, us on the radio and uh, spreading the the word. Um, and I just was listening to the program and uh, your previous caller. And um, he, there's, you know, he was, he, I mean, he's right on as far as all what he said. But unfortunately, as I was listening to him, the, he, the uh, Democrats are the party of action and the uh, Republicans are the party of talk. Mm. Um, evidently, unfortunately, conservatives uh, talk and talk and talk and can talk a great talk. You know, and I love what they say and talk about, but um, the Democrats uh, put it into action. I mean, they, you know, I'm not saying that we need to um, be like them and go out and, um, riot and burn down cities and um that sort of thing but unfortunately um i'm just dismayed at this point uh, mike and i'm just uh because uh, i see i've i've been um you know i've been a um you know conservative for a long time and you know it's conservative values but i see them just going down the drain Thank you. Yeah, John, I think uh, now I was going to say a fair amount of people. I think a lot of people uh, are feeling the way you're feeling. And they're asking the question in their minds. uh, All right. Time and time again, uh, members of the Republican Party, both in California and uh, in in nationally in Washington, D.C. as well, have said, well, if you just vote for us, we'll make these changes and when the votes are there, and then when the opportunity is there, there's not a lot of action. Uh, I think that is uh, that is provable uh, by performance over the years, and it's something that's on people's minds. John, I, I think. Let, just, just think. Let's just. By, let, let me. I'm, my mind's racing right here. Uh, we had a interview last night. From, with uh, Leandra Blades, and that is the kind of of uh, of woman with spine that believes in 
in faith-based and conservative values who stands up and does what she says she's going to do. And I'm, I'm just wondering if we need a lot more women like her to stand up and say, we're going to run for these offices and we're going to do what we say. John, I'm looking, and, and this, I'm, I'm sorry to say this, but right now I'm looking at the leadership in Washington, D.C. I'm looking at Mitch McConnell. I'm uh, looking at Lindsey Graham. And, and in my mind, the jury's still out on Kevin McCarthy. I'm wondering, are, are these people going to stand up for what's right and true and the Constitution, or are they going to fold when it comes to power and money and influence? I, I'm, I'm worried about that, and that's why I, I really believe it's not so much an issue of, of political identification right now. It's a matter of integrity. Does the candidate have the integrity in the past history to convince us that they're actually going to do what they say they're going to do? And sometimes that's hard to judge, John, because we can only judge them by what they're telling us. In other cases, we can look at incumbents and say, well, let's look at their voting record. Have they made decisions that we agree with? If not, at least in the primaries, uh, they, they, need to be, uh, they need to be kicked out. Let me give you the last word there, John. You, you brought up some interesting thoughts. Well, I just want to say that um, I appreciate uh, you being on uh, the radio and uh, uh, making awareness to what's going on. And um, I just, uh, I was a, a person of faith, but um, my faith is um, whining. Mm. And uh, I just don't know if I have any, 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 um, yeah, I much future from my, my children and my grandchildren but um anyway i i want god to bless you well john continue your work thank thank you so much john i appreciate that i appreciate your your transparency your willingness to uh, bear your soul there thank you very much and uh, john i i don't think you're alone i think a lot of people are experiencing the frustrations that you're feeling right now. Uh, I don't think a lot of people would blame you for having the reaction that you have right now. Uh, I think a lot of people would say to you, yeah, I can identify with that. If I may just provide some encouragement uh, in that with information and with the ability to take that information, mull it over, make our own decisions, we're able then to influence our spheres of influence, and that begins on our own homes, in our own neighborhoods, in our own workplaces. And John, it doesn't mean that we we beat beat people over the head uh, with our opinions, but we can express them in terms of this is the way that I feel. And it, my gut, John, says that there's hope. My gut says we need to stay the course and keep going. With that, however, I think expressions of your frustration are good. I think that's a healthy thing because I think, John, people like you expressing what you're feeling can wake other people up. So thank you for your call. We appreciate that. Our number here, my friends, 
209-551-3483. And by the way, John, thanks for your kind words as well. We do appreciate that. 209-551-3483. Let's check in with Charlotte from Modesto. Charlotte, how are you feeling today? Hey, I'm good. But you know, I agree with the man you just talked to. It wasn't that long ago that the Republicans had the House and the Senate, and they didn't do anything while they were there. I was so frustrated. And in California, uh, it seems like the Republicans aren't cohesive. They're, they're, They're all over the place, and nobody seems to be together. And I've been a conservative a long time, and I started out as a Democrat, and boy, they left me. I didn't leave them. And then I became a Republican, and now I'm basically an independent, but there are very many Democrats I would vote for. But why does McCarthy have to be speaker Well, I, or the head of it? I, he, I don't get it. He's not very good. Well, I don't think He's he has to. Yeah, I don't think he has to be speaker, uh, Charlotte, That and that's why I brought his name up a couple of minutes ago. In my mind, the jury's still out. Uh, Charlotte, one of the things that frustrates me so much, especially on the national level, is what we hear from alleged conservatives uh, is, well, we'll, yeah, we'll have a hearing. I am so tired of we're going to have a hearing. I am tired of hearing (laughs) we're going to have a hearing. Let's do something. Charlotte, I think two things that you bring to my mind, you, you, you mentioned where is the cohesiveness in the Republican Party? And I think that speaks to two things. One is unified messaging, and two, quality leadership. I think both are missing. What, what do you think? Oh, I agree. And, you know, this, is, this has nothing to do with what we're talking about exactly, but when Larry Elder was running, I don't— he would have been a good choice, and yet I never felt the Republicans got behind him. And then all these ridiculous people ran who hadn't got a chance. I guess they just wanted to see their name on a ballot, but that's a dumb thing to do. And it's like the Republicans need to – I don't hear anybody yelling and screaming about what they're doing to the ex-president, Donald Trump. I mean, come on, people. This is absolutely outrageous. And what Biden and his son have gotten away with, and yet I don't hear Republicans throwing a fit. I don't hear anything from them. Maybe I'm just missing out somehow or not listening to the right stations. Yeah, I, I love your program, by the way. Well, Charlotte, thank you. We so much appreciate that. We love you being <laughs> a listener. Thank you. We, uh, we appreciate that very much. Charlotte, uh, you, you've blessed me today with that. Thank you. Appreciate that so much. Charlotte brings up a couple of uh, very good points. And again, may, may I revisit my reaction to that? I think what, uh, and just my observation, I could be totally wrong, but from what I'm observing uh, especially in the Republican Party here in California, and you're welcome to push back on this, I, I see a lack of consistency in message, and I see a lack of very strong leadership. And Charlotte mentioned something uh, in terms of the, and I think we have an a unproductive and a horrible primary system here in California. I think the primary system needs to be within each party 
this open primary uh, plays to the supermajority and guarantees that the supermajority uh, keeps being the supermajority, unfortunately. Uh, I would love to see us go back to a primary system where those in each party decide who they're going to uh, who they're going to run. In this type of primary system, Charlotte, uh, here in California, I think it takes a, a big man and a big, big woman to subordinate their ego to the good of the cause and say, I am not going to run at this point in time for the sake of having this other person who may have a better chance than I do of winning for the sake of them becoming the nominee or the elected person. But that takes a lot of guts. That that takes subordinating our egos to another person. All right, Melinda, by the way, uh, producer Brenda, just very quickly, <laughs> I'm getting so passionate about your calls. Have we hit the uh, quarter hour, uh, three-quarter hour break here? Uh, let me know, and I'll attend to that right after uh, Right after we hear from uh, Melinda from Modesto. I want to get her call in. Uh, Melinda, what, what are your thoughts today as, as you've been mulling over what you've heard? Yes, as I mull over what I hear, I'm, I'm just saddened, and I can help Charlotte out. It is because your local Republican Party here asked for the system that we've been given. They voted unanim- almost unanimously to adopt a system where we do no longer pick our own. And that is because they wanted to be able to get behind Democrats of their personal choice. And you ask why? It's very simple. Money, power, control. Melinda, an astute observation. Thank you for that. And we're reaping, so to speak, what we've sown in that regard, aren't we? Absolutely. And that is why I am no longer there, because they spent 120000 on my tiny little position to say bye-bye because I wouldn't play the game. Mm. Thank you. Melinda, thanks for your call. Appreciate that. And uh, thanks to, uh, by the way, we want to thank producer Brenda this week uh, because, uh, well, last week and then uh, today and, and uh, yesterday as well, uh, our, our main producer, uh, Mike Murray, the best in the business, took some well-deserved time off. And uh, assistant producer Brenda, who's also has a full-time job with Advancing Vibrant Communities, uh, she has been uh, sitting in as producer now for uh, uh, seven days straight. So, uh, Brenda, thank you. And Brenda is telling me, yes, Mike, you need to do the break. So here we go. Mike Douglas here with the Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk 1360 KFIV back in three minutes. On air and online, take the Mike Douglas Show with you with the iHeartRadio app. Search 1360 KFIV. And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Been talking lately about why we're in the state that we're in. Not just California, but the state of the state. And some great calls, by the way. Appreciate that. Let's go to another great call. Ed from Modesto. As you've been listening, Ed, uh, what, what are your thoughts about why we are where we are? Hey, Mike. It's Ed Parco. Uh, we... A lot of people don't realize that the 
primary system that we we're in was caused by Republicans. I don't know if you know that, but Arnold Schwarzenegger was the one that actually put this into place to where it is the top two people on the ballot. They rushed it through at the last minute and it got approved. And now we've been paying for it ever since. Yes, we have. Did you know that? I, yeah. I did. And I, I think it's one of the yeah. worst decisions that has been made in the history of politics in, in California. And it gives rise to uh, the results that we've seen over the past couple of years. Ed, I, I'm just astounded. Uh, and I don't know if we'll ever see it go away. I'm, I'm not sure that we have, uh, even if, if we have the votes, if we have the guts to do it. What do you think? I don't think it's ever going to go away because it works for the the party in power. And the party in power right now is the Democrats, and it's going to be that way until something else changes. And I don't know what that is. And it's one of those things where we're in a bad situation and we can't get it any better because of something that we put into place. And I mean Republicans put into place. Um, but I just don't know how we change it or get it to go back because if you were the party in power, and I would say if we were Republicans in the party of power, would we want that change? No, we'd want to keep it also. So I just think we're going to be stuck here for a while. Yeah. Any other things going on that we have to worry about. And there's the issue, Ed, being willing to make some personal sacrifices uh, for the good of the cause. And I don't know that there are a lot of politicians on either side willing to, willing to do that. Uh, by the way, my friends, uh, our, uh, our buddy here, Ed Parco, often a guest host on this show, is going to be sitting in for Trevor Carey uh, coming up in, uh, what, about uh, six minutes or so. So, Ed, we'll look forward to hearing you again right. in about six minutes here on uh, Power Talk 1360 All right, KFIV. You, All right, my friend, thanks so much. Appreciate right, it. Uh, Ed, reminding us as we're talking about, uh, as I was lamenting our primary system, uh, Ed rightly reminding us, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, his fingerprints are on this, and the Republican Party really uh, is is responsible for this primary system that we have. And again, what I'm, and and, and please, if, if you feel that I'm out in left field on this, let me know. But my sense is I'm just not seeing a lot of strong leadership for the Republican Party in California. I'm not seeing evident. Now, there may be. I'm just not seeing strong leadership. Uh, I see little spot fires, but I don't see a a cohesive uh, messaging. And messaging is so important. And I think one of the problems, whether they're, regardless of what party, uh, expressing... Uh, conservative notions expressing uh, healthy, constitutionally-based notions, uh, expressing philosophies that have to do with a healthy government and staying away from Marxism and socialism. I don't hear that. I I hear a lot of, of... being mad about who the opponent is and trying to tear down the opponent. And then, you know, the opposition research and, and dealing with your opponent, I understand that's all part of the mix. But when we come down to it, ultimately, that doesn't inspire people. What inspires people is, here's the new vision. Here's 
the new vision that will give you new life and opportunity in the state of California. And here's how we're going to do that. And here's why you you should trust me to do that for you. I say me, whoever the politician might be. I'm not hearing that. I'm not here. I'm not hearing strong vision. I it's, it's lacking. And so I think we're sadly getting what we deserve here in California, and that is a, a very socialistic and Marxist government. And the bills we've been discussing today really um, have a lot to do with that and are evidence of it. All right, just uh, as I said, Ed Parco's coming up. He'll be sitting in for Trevor Carey today. I'll be back with you tomorrow, 3 to 5 p.m., here on the Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk 1360 KFIV.